Lesson 9, entitled, Clearing Hurdles in Stride. And the key word there is hurdles, because there can be hurdles in a marriage. And so, I want to ask you something. You don't have to answer out loud, but just think about this. You remember those lockdowns that occurred a few years ago? You remember those? The COVID lockdowns? Those were tough, were they not? Very tough. Tough for people all around this country. There was a study that showed that during the early stages of the pandemic, the New York Post did a story that reported that in New York City, during the first week, during the first week of those lockdowns, divorce inquiries rose 50% during the first week. During the first week of the lockdowns. Now, that's not just true of New York City. That was also true of several cities in China where this thing first came from. Uh, several cities in China, uh, not long after this worldwide pandemic began, recorded record numbers of divorces. And it doesn't stop there. Not only did the COVID pandemic contribute to a lot of divorces, uh, but research has shown that other natural disasters have done the same thing. Uh, the Journal of Family Psychology published a study after Hurricane Hugo in 1989. Some of y'all remember Hurricane Hugo back in 1989. That affected the southeastern portion of the United States of America and some other parts of the globe. But I'm just thinking about America right here. They found the very same thing. They found that after that hurricane uh, had done its damage, there was a record number of divorce inquiries and divorces taking place. So what does that show us? That shows us that problems, natural disasters, bad things that happen around us strain many marriages. They contribute to a lot of problems in marriages. In fact, not only do natural disasters seem to contribute to this, but there are also a host of other things. Now, I've mentioned COVID and hurricanes, but what we're going to look at today is some things that can affect even the people in this room. Those of us who are married and those of you who want to get married, uh, maybe in the near or distant future. These are some things beyond hurricanes and sicknesses that can strain a marriage, that can strain a relationship. And there are things that the Bible speaks a lot about. So I want to talk about these things today. We're going to fight for, I highlight four things. They're right there in Lesson 9. Uh, that I really want us to focus on in this particular lesson. And it's money. Okay. We're going to talk about how money can strain a marriage. Children, if married people have children, in-laws, and sexual intimacy. We're going to talk about how those things, if they are not properly nurtured and, and properly given attention, they can strain a marriage. And so I want to ask you to go in your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to start with money, and this is where I want to kind of start by giving some, getting some participation from you, seeing what do you think about some of these things, get some of your answers here. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 10, I just want to kind of start by reading what the Bible says about money and how uh, if we don't treat and handle and view money properly, it can lead to problems. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 10, the Apostle Paul says, For the love of money. And that's important because so often you hear people, you'll hear people say, money. No, Paul says the love of money. The love of money is a root 
of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. So the point there is a love of money, an evil desire for money. Greed can lead to problems. It can lead to problems in a person's personal life. It can lead to problems in a relationship, even in the relationship of marriage. And so let's start right there. I want to know from you, what do you think about this? What hurdles can money bring to a marriage? And I kind of just want to limit this to about uh, three or four comments because we want to kind of try to get all this in and we got four of these to cover and I just don't want to talk about the problem. I want to give you solutions too. So what hurdles do you think that money can bring to a marriage? Anybody want to start us up here? What hurdles can money bring to a marriage? Well, I got several things. I got a lot of things on my paper here. What hurdles can money bring to a marriage? Am I the only one? Go ahead. Misuse. Okay, so that's that's a good one, Janelle. Misuse. Can you elaborate on that more if you don't mind now, please? Like what's on your what's your thought process on how I this can bring problems? I kind of went a couple different ways, but just overspending money that you don't have and not prioritizing the use of your money, like taking care of the things that need to be taken care of, like your bills, keeping your electricity on, you know, your food and everything, and not doing the extravagant life when you cannot afford it. No, I think that's a good point. And that can strain a marriage because it can make you stressed out. Mm -hmm. it, can make, it can make a woman feel insecure because she feels like she's not being taken care of financially by her man. And it can make a man frustrated because he feels like he has the responsibility to take care of his family. Maybe he's not doing that properly. And maybe it's because of money mismanagement. Mm -hmm. And that can bring stress between the two people. It can lead to arguments and all kinds of things like that. Absolutely. Anyone else? Yes, Lisa. It can be a power play. Okay. Power play. Explain more, please. If you, if you only have one money person bringing in money into the family, it can be a power play on, like, well, you're allowed this or not allowed this, and, you know, as far as how it ties to your goals, you know, short-term, long-term goals, but it's, you, know, you have to agree on all of that, and many of us have two income, but it's rarely an equal amount that's coming in, and so then it becomes a power play, well, what are you going to pay for, what am I going to pay for, or is it all in one pot, and, and I think that it, there, there's a lot of it goes with misuse then. No, no, that's, that's very good. And that's how our society operates. Yeah. Is you have money, you have power. You have money, you can tell people what to do. You can hang it over people's heads. And that goes that goes on in marriage. I've seen that going in marriage before where if a man feels like I'm bringing home the bacon, I have power over this woman. He gets spent when I want to get spent. You do what I say to do. It, it makes, it makes a, a person in the marriage feel like a slave almost. And, and not just if a person is not working and the other one is working, but if one is making a lot more money than the other. That, that can be a, something that, that's hung over their heads. Uh, I, it makes them feel even useless. Like, you're, you're not bringing anything to the table, so you have no say-so in anything. That's a great point. I like that. Anybody else have something you want to add to this? Yes, ma'am. Uh, well, you two have different spending habits. Mmm. <laughs> Like, for example, one of you is a saver while the other is a spender. It's just 
communication with each other to get that fixed. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I even kind of had a note on that to a, to an extent. One thing I had on my list was disunity. If a husband and a wife are not on the same page with finances, it can lead to disunity in the marriage. So if one is a saver and the other one's a big spender, a habitual, you know, just spender, that can lead to some problems. It can lead to problems in the marriage. Brother Jason, yes, sir. Tying in with that clarity. Now, yo, Michelle, she doesn't care about logging into our bank account. No. I've given her an account number. I'm in the same boat. And, and, and yes. that's okay. That's yes. her choice. Yes. But if someone is not uh, is not open with it, there's no clarity about it, and and hiding it, that yo, I heard the saying once: um, a married couple will join together sexually and share DNA with each other to have a child, but some couples won't even share their bank accounts or let each other know what's in their accounts. Yes. It, it was an interesting thought process, and obviously it went deeper than that, but, you know, not saying that you can't have separate accounts, but clarity, openness, transparency about... And I even put yeah. on here, I was going to put secrecy. The problem right. I can't secrecy. spell that. Yeah. So, so y'all got to help me with that. Right. E-C-Y. E-C-Y. E-what? E-C-Y. Oh, man, I'm terrible. Okay. Secrecy, that looks better than what I had at first. Secrecy, that's exactly right. If you're not transparent in the relationship... Yeah. And that it needs to be their choice. Some people don't yes, care. Yes, some people don't care. Yeah. Well, it needs and to be okay. an unopen yeah. anytime you want to. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Anytime you want that. And, and we're the same thing. Janice's the same way. She doesn't check the account. Right. I have all, I mean I do all that. But it's not because she can't. Right. It's because it's not a big thing on her radar. Right. She trusts me. No. Yeah, absolutely. She trusts me. But there's no secrecy there. Right. And it's not my money or her money. It's our money. Exactly. It's the way it should be. So I had put on here, and this kind of kind of goes with a few things. I just say a couple things about this, then we move on to the next one. Some hurdles that money can bring to a marriage, if we're not careful here, is it can lead to disunity. Debt can strain a marriage. Debt can strain a marriage. If you are, if you're a couple that's, it kind of goes with Janelle's point. You, you got bad spending habits, you got to accumulate a lot of debt. And you just in over your head and you're swimming in it. Do you not think that's going to lead to some strain in the relationship? Do you not think that's going to lead to some arguments and some finger pointing? And people always feel intense all the time? It absolutely does. And there are all kinds of statistics that can back that up. In fact, one of the top reasons why people get divorces in this country, one of the top three reasons is money. And a lot of it has to do with debt. Also put on here, laziness. If you're lazy in your marriage, you don't have a budget, and you're kind of just spinning and flying by the seat of your pants, it's, going, it's only a matter of time before you have problems in your marriage. It's only a matter of time. You don't have a budget. You don't know what's going in, what's coming, uh, what's going out. If you don't have any kind of record of that stuff going on, it's only a matter of time before there's a strain there, a strain on the relationship. Also put on your greed. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? They had money. They had land, but they were greedy. They didn't, they didn't want to be as generous as some of the other brethren. Now, they were generous to a degree, but they wanted to appear to be more generous than they really were. And God saw their evil and brought them down. Greed. And that's what Paul's talking about really in 1 Timothy 6. A greedy couple, greedy when it comes to giving to the Lord, greedy when it comes to helping uh, poor brethren or poor people. 
that that can that that can lead to some problems. That's never a good thing. And then this kind of goes with Jason's point, and I thought it was a good point. The lack of trust. When one spouse has all the access to the money and not, you know, allowing the other partner to have that access, that's not good. Now it's one thing like Jason said, and even in my marriage, where where there's one spouse doesn't feel the need to always check. They trust the other spouse. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I'm talking about here when one is controlling. And kind of what Lisa was saying, having all the power and giving the other spouse no power when it comes to this. That can lead to some problems. And I'll even say this. you got to be careful with separate accounts. Because that's disunity. That, that's his idea. Well, I got my account and you got your account and you pay these bills and I'll pay these bills. I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind in Matthew 19. But he talks about oneness. So those are some practical things to think about when it comes to this. Let's talk about kids now. A lot of us in this room have kids. We have kids. How can kids strain a marriage if we're not careful? You don't have enough whiteboard up there. What was you saying? What you say? The money. Go back to You go back to money. Yes. Hey, let's put it up here. They are. In fact, I won't even use that word you just used. I like that better. Because I was just talking with somebody about this recently. Kids are expensive. They are. I would have 10 kids if, I, if they were not so expensive. I, that's the honest truth. I would have 10 kids if they were not so expensive. You know, my great-grandmother, Big Mama, she had 16 kids. But in them days, they raised them on a little shack with one room, and they grew all their food. They had chickens and cows. Nowadays... Kids, well, everybody want a pair of drawers. They want a cell phone. You got to save for the college, medical insurance. It's, it's, mm. Big Mom would have 16 kids today. <laughs> yes, yes, ma'am, Ashley, what are you going to say? Um, I think oftentimes, too, with kids, um, well, there's a couple, a couple things there. Sometimes people have kids thinking they're going to fix a marriage, and that is not what children do. They mm -hmm. make it a lot more stressful. And at the same time, too, if you're not careful, you can lose sight of the fact that you had your relationship first before you had kids mm -hmm. and sometimes you put the kids before your marriage and it causes strain and then resentment in everything in the marriage I put on here if you're not careful to kind of go with what you're saying you make your kids your best friends yeah. mm -hmm. and you'll start prioritizing them mm -hmm. over your spouse mm -hmm. I've seen it happen a lot and then when the kids get grown and gone and get their own life, now you're with a stranger all of a sudden. When, like you said, you were with that person first. And you lost that oneness. Anybody else have maybe one more here? Janelle, yes, ma'am. Um, I have discipline. Just Oh, yeah. Different thoughts of discipline or one person being the main disciplinarian can cause... No, I think that's a good point. If you're not on the same page with discipline, that can cause that can cause some stress. Uh, if you believe that a child should be disciplined for something and the other parent thinks they shouldn't, and the child sees that disagreement, that can lead to some problems, divide and conquering. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's an excellent answer. Yes, Janice. I think it's also important in a marriage, like when that discipline takes place, by one spouse, that the other spouse is helping the children understand that your father is not the bad guy. 
He's feeling this way. He's he's disciplining you because of this. He's telling all our business right yeah. now. No. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. And Janice is really good about that. She's really good about that. That our kids know there's no divine and conquering going on. Right. And I'm never the bad guy. You're never the bad guy. We're in this together. Yeah. And we and that's absolutely right. So some things I wrote down here, and then we'll move on to the next one. I wrote down this unity again, and that kind of goes with Janelle and Janicia's point about if you're not on the same page with things, uh, particularly with discipline, that can lead to some stress in a marriage, arguments, uh, and things like that. I also put this, parents have to be careful of favoritism. You remember Isaac and Rebecca in your Old Testament? Isaac and Rebecca had favorite children. And they didn't agree on which one was the favorite. Remember, they had Esau and Jacob. And Esau was Isaac's favorite. Because he was like a manly man. You know, he was the one that's going to go camping and hunt and fish. And Rebecca's favorite was Jacob, kind of the mama's boy. And both of those boys knew that and used that to their advantage to get things that they wanted. So parents have to be careful of picking favorites. Picking favorite children. That can be a problem. I also put on here, kids can affect a marriage through exhaustion. You know, Michelle brought up the idea of money, which is very good. But also the idea of exhaustion. Kids can exhaust you, can they not? Especially the older they get. Well, I mean, right now, let's just let's just start at the top. Because I don't want to minimize what you got going on. I mean, I've got barf all over. Yeah, exactly. there you go. I see. That was, that was a nice dress. But, 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 but let's start there. So we start, we bring them in this world. And in, in the early days, we got to do everything for them. We feed them. We change them. We, 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 we we're there for them. I mean, if we leave them, and we just put them out on the street and just left them there, they're not going to make it very long. We got to do everything for them. But it doesn't stop there because as they get older, they, you know, start... Learn how to read and write and walk and run and jump and, and they can get in all kinds of danger with that kind of stuff and then they start playing sports, right? And you get them to soccer games, you get them to basketball games, football games, and, and then you gotta give them that spiritual training too. You gotta teach them about the Lord and help them understand that you know when that time comes they're sinners. They need to obey the gospel. I mean, there's just so much energy we put into our kids, and let's just be honest, if we're not careful, that can strain our marriage. That can make us stressed out. Especially if you got a job on top of it. You may have older parents that you're watching over to. You got a mortgage. You got all kinds of bills. You got all these things pulling at you. Then your kids get a lot of your attention. That can strain a marriage and make both people exhausted. And then that brings to the fourth thing, which is the attention. If you're not careful, you can find yourself giving your attention solely to your kids and not to each other. You know what I mean? kind of goes back to what we were talking about, how, you know, Janice and I were married seven years before we had kids. We were married seven years. And there was a time when it was just us. But now we think back to those seven years, and it feels like they were seven days. You feel like, did we really have seven years when we were just us? Because you feel like your kids have always been there, and they have not. But it feels that way because you're giving so much attention to them. And if you're not careful, you will not give each other that attention that you were giving each other before they came along. So you got to have that balance. That makes sense. Got to have that balance. Anybody else want to say something about kids here? Any other thoughts about the kids here? Yes, ma'am, Lisa. Well, there's a weight to 
to um, spiritual upbringing also. And make sure I'm the same teacher with that from yes. day one. Before day one. I like that, Lisa. I do. And, and let me say something about that. This is one of the benefits of being married to a Christian. Because you have a better chance of getting on that same page spiritually. Whereas, and I grew up in a situation like that where my grandfather was not a Christian. He was a Baptist. My grandmother's been with the church, but we would go to church one place and he'd go somewhere else. And that's just the way it was. So I didn't see that unity there. And now I'm trying to get my kids something that I didn't get to have growing up. And that's, that, that is the way it's supposed to be. So for those of you who are not married, when you want to get married, think about what Lisa says there. There's a lot of wisdom in that. Lots of wisdom. Yes, ma'am, Emily. I also feel like, because we talked about this before, like having date nights, like I feel like when you have kids, you kind of lose yourself. Yes, yes. Like, and so you have to, like, do things that remind you of who you were before you were just a caretaker. You know? Yes. Like, that you can lose your identity. Yeah. You can. And that's happened to me many times. You forget who you were, you forget the things that you liked and that you had fun doing. You're like in the car by yourself listening to music and you're like, you're not listening to Baby Shark. Yeah, I, I, I really don't like this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for us, it was the Wiggles growing up. And I was like, yes. we don't have to put that on right yes. now. Yeah, absolutely. Don't lose yourself. But but again, it goes back to the idea of the attention our kids give us. If we're not careful, that can strain this relationship. Let's go to the next one. Oh, yes. I'm sorry, it's really quick. Yes. But um, your children also see how you and your spouse are acting towards each other. So in the future, okay, this is how you treat a wife. Okay, this is how you treat a husband. You are an example. And since you are around your kids all the time, you can't, you can't fake that. You can't lie. No, you can't. And you actually, that's a great point. Because for all of us who are married, currently raising our kids... We are modeling. We talked about Jesus being a model of being a servant in the first lesson. Well, we're modeling every day what a marriage should be or hopefully should be. And our kids are watching that. And they were, they're going to remember things we thought they would never remember. Uh, and so we got to be careful with that. we got to be mindful of the opportunities we have every day to model the right way to do this. So I agree with that. Let's talk about in-laws. Um... You know, things are a lot better with me and my in-laws. It's been that way the last couple of years. It took, I've been married 20 years, and the first 18 were not good. Not good. I guess it doesn't help when you start out by running off getting eloped, but you know, it just wasn't good. But you know what? It's a whole lot better now. It's a whole lot better now. But I know all about having uh, some tension with in-laws. So, how can this, if we're not careful, how can in-laws negatively impact a marriage if we're not careful? Oh, your hand went up quick on that. So, a couple of things on that. I, I truly believe that your in-laws, you either get very, very lucky with your in-laws and you feel like you are part of the family and they can actually help strengthen your marriage, or you marry into a family that has a lot of divisiveness and they are very, um, they, they don't have, they have different expectations as to what your relationship should look like. And I will say that um, if you marry into a family too that is not either supportive of your religion or religious themselves, oftentimes um, 
they, it can cause tension in that aspect. Um, and they can try to drive a wedge between you and your spouse. I've seen and experienced it the whole, your spouse versus your in-laws, and then they'll kind of try to pit the two against each other, like yeah. mom versus <clears throat> wife, or you know, this relationship versus that relationship. And if you're not careful and you marry into that, it causes a, it can yes. cause a lot of tension if you and your spouse are not on the same page. Gotta be on the same page. Because just like kids can, can divide and conquer, mm -hmm. In-laws can too. Mm -hmm. So I like that idea of the different expectations, the, the differences uh, that you may have with your in-laws. They may not be of the same religion as you. They not, may not have the same philosophy and ideology that you do in a lot of things. What do you do with that? Uh, that can be tricky because you're marrying their son or their daughter, but you still have to, you're getting them too. I mean, they're going to be part of this to a big degree. Yes, Lisa? Just to, if someone is, if your in-laws are not Christians or under the church, in their eyes, he was theirs first. Yep. Right? Or she was theirs first. Yep. And it, it's one of those things where then that person has to make it clear that I'm now one with this person. This is a choice I have made type thing. Um I am now a Christian, I am now this type thing, and it, it does, it creates an incredible, but in their eyes, you have to really have a lot of empathy, yep. and understand where they're coming from, now, sure. there's toxic people out there, I'm not saying so, no, but, I know what you're saying. But, but all the more understanding of why we do things the way we do them as a Christian, where we get the authority to right. do those things, to live our life that way. you got to be patient with them on that. Yeah. and strength and knowing your Bible and understanding why you believe what you believe and where it is in the Bible to help share it. You know. And the thing about that is they might not even agree with you on that, but they can respect you. Exactly. It's not just because they want Right. They still see you as kids. Yes. They're going to see you as kids. <clears throat> okay. Right. So I think that's a great point. That's good stuff. Yes, yes, ma'am. Boundaries. Oh, boundaries. <laughs> Boundaries. I like that. Can you elaborate more? Like, how can that it's like be problematic? The boundaries in your marriage, like they should not get involved in your decisions or your choices with your kids, with every. I just feel like a lot of not like I. You guys know God and Cherry. Like I got. I'm one of the families that got like really lucky. Like right. we are very. They are pretty much like my parents. I don't have a relationship. So they are now my parents. Wonderful. But we still go head to head sometimes, but because I am, I've been in the family since I was 17, so 12 years, like I am now like a daughter to them, but even right. still there's times where they might overstep, but we have that relationship where I can say, this is between Sloan and I, or these are my kids, I understand and I value your input, but these are my kids yep. and what I want to do. I like that. And that goes with what, G this, that's scriptural. Jesus, and we'll talk more about this in the next uh, lesson this morning, Matthew chapter 19. Jesus talks about leaving father and mother and being joined to your spouse. The idea there is part of that is boundaries. We got our own family. Not saying we're still not family, but there is a sense in which I'm, I'm closer with this person now. And we're going to start our own thing over here, and you can't get into that. And I'm going to be honest with y'all about something. I, I need to move on to the next one. For me, um, what's helped me in my marriage 
Now, I'm not saying this is gospel here. This is Sean Jeffries. You know, we've been married 20 years, and the vast majority of that time, we have lived far away from family. I've lived in Florida. I've lived in Tennessee. lived in Arizona, which is the furthest I've ever lived away from home, you know, East Texas. But that's helped our marriage, and it's helped us with boundaries. It's kept the peace. When we see our family once a year, it's all good. And, and, uh, and I, but I feel like if I lived right up the street from them, we would have problems. I know my family. You know, I don't come from a Christian family. So there would be some things, some meddling. And meddling, I don't, one thing I don't like is people meddling in my business, in my family business. I don't want my in-laws telling me how to spend our money, where to live, what to do. That would be a problem. And living in Arizona has helped us with that. We've never, had a, we've never had a problem living a long way from our family. Now, say, again, that's just us. I might put that on you, okay? Yours may work out great, and that's fine. God bless you. I'm just saying our situation is different. Yes, Janicia. I think looking forward, maybe we can put another, another spin on this class when we are the mother-in-law of the mother -in -law mm. one day. Mm -hmm. One thing that's helped me is I have a Ruth-Naomi relationship with both your biological mom and their grandmother yes. raised you, and that's because they stay out of our business. They do. My grandmother's like, good about that. And they and they treat me like their own child. So I think that, like, looking ahead, just stay out of their business. No, they're a, grown. Mm -hmm. You're just like, hey, I'm here for advice if you ask for it. I already told you, Michael. Go on by your business, man. You know what I'm saying? He's like, I want to buy you this. I want to buy get some money. I buy you that. So I don't want to buy. It. I'm a grown man. I don't need to buy to buy me nothing. I take care of myself. And, and I just wanted you to be able to take care of yourself. I'm not one of them kind of parents, if my kid becomes a millionaire, I want them to buy me something. No, I keep living in my little house, I'll be all right. Because I'm a, I'm a man. I'm a, I'm a grown man. And I don't need, I don't want my kids, you know, feeling like they got to take care of me. You know, if I'm healthy. Well, that's y'all. That's y'all. That's y'all. I'm talking about me. That's somebody. I'm just joking. I know. Just Go ahead, Jason. Yes, sir. You know, the, the, the sooner you can cut the umbilical cord, the yes. better, and yes. create separation. Yes. It's, it's Mitch and Bronica and the family, you know, Austin lived here, but they, they didn't live here for the first three right. or four years of our marriage. I right. can't remember what it was exactly. And so it, it, it creates a bonding and a, and, a, and a focusing on each other, which is fantastic. Yes, sir. Love having them close by, of course. Hey, absolutely. But, but one of the things, someone told me this, I don't remember who it was, but I loved it. A husband and wife have a, a, a battle. They, they, they fight it out. One goes and they go talk to a parent who, as Lisa said, that's their baby. Maybe you don't talk to them on a regular basis, but they get, you go to this parent and you voice concern or frustration about your spouse. And then that conversation's over and you go back to your spouse and life goes on, you work it out and you're happy and hunky-dory. That in-law or that parent, the last conversation they had was, they're not treating my baby right. And they stew on that. It creates di di divisiveness. They're not a part of the mending process. So keep your business in your keep, marriage. Keep, that's a good one. Keep your business in your marriage because if you go complain to your mommy they or your daddy, that. they're going to remember and that. They're, not gonna be as quick as they're going to hold on to right. that. And you're going to create a divisive relationship between your parents and your spouse. When y'all get back together, that's still and it's going to hurt you. Oh, I like that. Unless it's my parents who like my spouse better than I do and are very quick to say it's probably you. Oh, <laughs> that is great. You're probably right. I like that. So let me just say a, a couple of things here. My time's going to get away from me, so I just want to say a few more things here. First off, you know, we're kind of talking about the bad side of this, but in the Bible, there are actually some good relationships 
between in-laws and you know between in-laws. Ruth and Naomi is, is a Naomi is a good one. Um, I'm also reminded of um, there was another one that came to my mind that sl slipped my mind. I'm sorry, but there there are several, and I was actually pondering on this later. But the the main one I think about is it seems like Ruth and Naomi just had a special relationship. And you really don't think about them as daughter-in-law, mother-in-law. You think of them as mother and daughter. You think of them as mother and daughter. And so there are some good examples of this in the, in the scriptures. Some things that you got to be careful with, and some of y'all already said this, meddling. Meddling in each other's business. you got to be careful of that. Allegiance. People have seen having more allegiance to their parents than their spouse. Oh, I'm still going with my, I'm riding with my mom and my daddy over my husband and my wife. That's one thing if your husband and wife just doing something simple and wrong, okay. But when you always still going telling mama everything that's going on in the marriage, that's a problem. That's not leaving father and mother. Respect. The in-laws not respecting, you know, the, the, the marriage of their son or daughter and the son or daughter, not son-in-law or daughter-in-law not respecting their spouse's parents. You need to respect the parents. I told my in-laws a few days ago, hey, Janicia is what she is, her great personality, her love of the Lord. That's not me. That's y'all get that. I, I, I give you, y'all get the credit for that through God. I respect you for that. Uh, and then kids. You know, grandparents fighting over kids. And there can be division there. Well, one set of grandparents wants to be the favorite and the other one wants to be the favorite. That can be a problem. you got to be careful. Real quick, so I want to say some things about sexual intimacy. This is pretty obvious. Faithfulness. If, you, 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 if you're not faithful in your marriage, that's a problem. And that can include having wandering eyes, pornography, flirting with other people, trying to get other people's attention, adultery. Anytime you're unfaithful, it's going to be problems in your marriage. Withholding sex. We talked about money being held over people's heads. You can do that with sex, too. Withholding it. The Bible speaks against that. Getting too busy to be sexually intimate. That could be a problem. And being just selfish. Being selfish about it. Uh, the takeaway from all of this is it's not just natural disasters that can contribute bad things to your marriage. These things can, too. We're not going to deal with hurricanes here in Arizona. And COVID is not a problem anymore. But these things can be problems if we're not careful. So I want to give you some solutions real quick. We're going to be done. It's going to give you this. Solutions. How do you get through the money hurdles? Well, first, you got to strive for that oneness. Jesus talks about a husband and a wife being joined together and being one. Matthew 19, verses 5 and 6. You achieve oneness with money by having an agreed upon budget. A budget that you and your spouse sit down and talk about and agree together on. Have unity on that. Avoid impulse buying. By that I mean, you know, when it comes to big purchases, we're talking about big purchases, don't do that without talking to your spouse. Don't go buy a brand new Mercedes and just show up and say, hey, I, got, you know, I bought a brand I spent $80,000 today. No, avoid that. Avoid that. Always be on the same page, especially with big purchases. Always be honest with the money. Always be honest. Be open with each other and share. Share not just with each other, obviously, but share with others. That brings spiritual unity together when you're helping the poor together and being generous to the Lord together. You know, do that kind of stuff together. 
get gifts for people. You're buying gifts around the holiday season. Do that together. That, that's, that brings unity. When it comes to kids, you want oneness with your kids. So this requires unified discipline. We're on the same page with this discipline. And if we have a disagreement on that, we're not going to talk about it in front of the kids. We're going to go in private and talk about it. No favoritism. We're not going to have a favorite kid. We love all our kids the same, no matter how different and unique they are from each other. We're going to have agreed upon rules. Me and my wife, you and your husband, agreed upon curfew, bedtime, cell phone boundaries, who their friends are going to be. You've got to agree on this stuff together and avoid, avoid gossip. By gossip, we mean you don't want to gossip to your kids about your spouse. Oh, I don't like what they did to you. It's okay, mama's here. You know, why he get so angry? Why does she get so angry? Avoid that gossip. That brings division. As far as your in-laws go, you want oneness in that. So that's achieved through first allegiance to one another. You have allegiance to each other before your parents. That's what Jesus says. You want privacy. Jason nailed that on the head. Don't go telling all your business to your mama and your dad. That's not leaving father and mother. Keep your business in-house. Especially when you start having some fusses and some disagreements. Because y'all will get over that. Y'all will come back together, but mom and daddy will remember that. And then always honor and respect. Honor and respect your spouse's parents. And hopefully your, your in-laws do the same thing towards you. Last thing, very quickly, sexual intimacy. Very simple. Make time for it. Don't get so busy you're not making time to be sexually intimate with your spouse. Don't withhold. Don't withhold. Don't hang it over your spouse's head. Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 5. Don't withhold. And if you are, do it just for a time for spiritual things, but come back together so the devil doesn't get involved. And then finally, Hebrews 13, 4. Be faithful. Be faithful to your spouse. No wandering eyes. No flirting with other people. No adultery. The Bible says God will judge the fornicators and adulterers and the marriage bed is to be undefiled. Don't make your marriage bed unholy. Keep it holy. Make time for it. Don't withhold and be faithful to each other.